Hey everyone, welcome back to another Christmas edition of the Practicology Podcast. Last week we looked at Matthew chapter 1 and went through Matthew's genealogy of grace. Mike, it's your turn to take us through a Christmas meditation. What do you have for us today? Well, I have an episode that I've called A Sword for Christmas or When God Gives You a Sword for Christmas. So I'm referring to the passage in Luke chapter 2, the first Christmas. And after Jesus was born, Mary and Joseph had to circumcise him on the eighth day and name him. Then on the 40th day, God's law required the parents to take baby Jesus to the temple, offer a purification sacrifice, and present their firstborn to the Lord. And while they were there, a spirit-filled man named Simeon took their baby into his arms and spoke some astonishing words over him. Joseph and Mary were filled with wonder at what he said, but then Simeon turned to them and warned that their child would be violently opposed by the nation, and that a sword would pass through Mary's heart also. Yeah, let me read those scriptures for us, Mike. Luke chapter 2, verses 34, 35. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. It was as if God was giving Mary a sword for Christmas. Likely all of us have received something we didn't really want for Christmas. I know I learned quickly as a boy to hide my disappointment when opening gifts from a certain great aunt that I had. But if someone wants to buy me socks today, my joy, I assure you, will be authentic and deep. But there are certain things we have on our wish never to happen at Christmas list. And maybe some of you are listening right now and you feel like you've been given a sword for Christmas. You're separated from family. It's yet another year of waiting for that prayer to be answered. There's a child not walking with the Lord. There's a difficult diagnosis or the memory of a painful death from a previous Christmas or a fear of what's to come in 2022. Well, here's the thing. Yes, God was giving Mary a sword for Christmas but it was a sword sheathed in comfort. And so I wanna go through five comforts God gave to Mary and is giving to us if we feel we are being given a sword for Christmas. And Matthew, I'm gonna ask you to help me with a couple of these, but I'll start things off with the first comfort. The first comfort is this, it's of knowing that this is normal, this side of heaven. The comfort of knowing that suffering is normal, this side of heaven. As Luke records this incident, he goes out of his way to emphasize how compliant Joseph and Mary were with God's will. They circumcised Jesus on the eighth day. They gave their baby the name the angel had told them to give him. And then on the 40th day, they came for their purification according to the law of Moses, Luke writes. In fact, Luke says that they complied with the law of the Lord or the law of Moses three times in three verses. And then at the very end of the account in verse 39, He wraps it up by saying that they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord. So what's my point? It's this. Mary didn't get a sword for Christmas because she was disobeying the Lord or because she was walking outside of God's will. Now, this is a strange comfort, I know, but it is still a comfort just to know that it's normal for us as Christians to suffer. If you are going through a painful Christmas this year, You are going through a normal Christmas in a sense, not an abnormal one. What's abnormal and special, maybe, is some of those pain-free Christmases that some of us can remember from the past. So just because you've been given a sword for Christmas doesn't mean 
that you're an awful Christian. Yeah, thank you, Mike. That's a helpful start. It is a sobering truth, but it is a, well, it is the truth. So we appreciate hearing it. Suffering is normal. Here's the second comfort Mary received, and it's something that we can enjoy as well in the midst of our suffering at this season. The comfort of knowing that God is in control. David Gooding points out that God used Caesar's law or census to get Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem. And now God uses his own law to get them to Jerusalem. God's written word required them to come up to Jerusalem on the child's 40th day. And it's just then that the Holy Spirit brings Simeon into the scene. Verse 27 in the ESV says he came in the spirit. Other translations put it this way. The NIV, he was moved by the spirit. The CSB, he was guided by the spirit. I mean, how did Simeon know to come just at that time? How did he know to come to this child? But that's not all. A little bit later, there is an elderly prophetess named Anna who came to them. It says she came up at that very hour, verse 38. And you know, these were not just fluke encounters. God was giving Mary a sword, yes, and Mary felt its painful sting on what otherwise might have been a very happy occasion. But these were reminders to her that this sword was sheathed in the comfort that God was in total control. So to combine these first two comforts we've talked about, first, suffering, your suffering is normal for Christians. Second, God is in complete control of the sufferings. Thanks, Matthew. That's a very precious comfort for sure. And it just reminds me of how a year ago this time, our family was going through some difficulties, one of which was my wife undergoing surgery. And I was struggling with a number of painful, worrisome things and waiting for the surgery to be over. Then I got the call that Helen was done and I could come and get her. And while I went, there was a guy by a stop sign at an intersection with a great big smile on his face and a sign. And I put my window down to hear what he was saying. And this is what it was. He was shouting out, Jesus loves you to all the people driving by. Was it a coincidence? I don't think so. God knew my wife and I needed that reminder of his love and he was in control. And he made sure that our time of difficulty was sheathed in comfort. Which takes us to our third comfort from this passage. It's the comfort of knowing that God is preparing me. The comfort of knowing that God is preparing me. God through Simeon was preparing Mary. You can remember how the Lord strengthens Mary's faith regarding her virgin conception through Elizabeth by going up to visit Elizabeth, uh, Mary's faith and that miracle was confirmed. Now he's doing the same in regards not to the birth of her son, but to the death of her son. So Simeon speaks to Mary about how this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and how he will be a sign that is opposed or spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And then he says, and a sword will pierce your soul too. Simeon is saying this to Mary. He's saying, your son will make many fall. He will humble them. He will expose their sins and then they'll rise. They'll receive salvation like the tax collector and the prostitute and the leper and Zacchaeus and the thief on the cross. Simeon is saying to Mary, God will make him a sign. Many will speak against him so, so that their, their true state of their hearts will be revealed. And as Mary sees her son opposed, rejected on the cross, a sword will cut her heart too. She'll see the sword pierce her son. And when it does, it'll pierce her soul as well. 
And when she does, she'll be tempted to think, ah, I thought this was God's son. I thought he was to be our savior. I thought, but God is preparing her long beforehand. When the cross does happen, she'll know she'll receive this comfort that many years before God had been preparing her and letting her know that it was part of his plan all along. The sword God gave to Mary at the first Christmas was to prepare her for the experience she'd have at the cross. It was a mercy to her. And God is doing the same to us. He uses our suffering to prepare us for a special work for him in the future. And he uses it to shape us into the image of his son, as Paul reminds us in Romans 8, that we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that Christ might be the firstborn among many brothers. God is using our sufferings to prepare us for what Paul calls elsewhere an eternal weight of glory. And what a lovely phrase that is, the eternal weight of glory. That is a weight you will look forward to bearing. Hmm. Our next and fourth comfort is very meaningful to me, Mike. It's this, the comfort of knowing that I'm not alone. As Joseph and Mary receive a sword, receive pain at that first Christmas, they were not alone in it. God surrounded them with his people. There was Simeon, there was an Anna, a male and a female. Notice couplets in Luke's gospel. One for sure was old and quite likely both. It's a little bit difficult to tell in the language, but it seems like they both were. One for sure suffered. She had lost her husband for the Lord's call of her life of prayer and fasting and waiting. And verse 38 mentions a small circle of other believers that were waiting at the temple for the coming redemption. And so they spoke to them about the arrival of the Savior. What does God want you to hear right now in the midst of your pain? He wants you to hear this. You are not alone. You're not the only one going through something like this. You're not the only one who's suffering. You're not the only one who loves Christ. There's a band of brothers and sisters who are going through other circumstances of their own or in your circumstances. You be assured that they're going through this with you, surrounding you, there to help you and support you and speak the truth of Christ to you in love. Amen, Matthew. Last couple of years have been really hard in our local church, and sometimes the the discouragement and pain of church fellowship uh, can eclipse the the real joys and comforts of it. And we've been reminded of that more positive aspect as well in the midst of all this: the comforts and joys of being part of the church. After Helen's surgery that I mentioned, the church expressed so much love and care to us, including an just bringing meals and writing cards and inquiring how we were doing. Now, your trial might be much worse than ours, but this comfort is true for us all. You are not alone. You have brothers and sisters to speak the word to you and to pray with you. And as we come and fellowship with the church, we together hear the Lord address his word to us, and together we speak in return to him in prayer. Who just to turn this around, who can you remind this Christmas that they are not alone, that they belong, that they're accepted, that they're family too? Who can you comfort? Well, it's time for our final comfort from this passage. It's the fifth one, the comfort of having Christ as our Savior. The comfort of having Christ as Savior. None of the first four comforts comes close 
to the wonder of this last one. God was giving a sword to Mary for Christmas. He was taking away the comfort she had of having Christ as her son, and he was giving her the far greater comfort of having Christ as her savior. We fear the knife, but sometimes it's the best thing for us. As one writer points out, if, if we need surgery, the knife, instead of being an instrument of death, can become an instrument of life. And Simeon is saying to Mary, Mary, your son will be opposed, rejected, and ultimately the sword will go into him. The spear will plunge his side, and when it happens, it'll be like the sword is going through your soul too. Why? Because Mary herself was somebody's child, and her parents were too. And all of us ultimately go back to Adam and Eve, and all of us have, in, have inherited their disease called sin. And when they sinned, they lost the comfort of God's presence. They were kicked out of paradise, and a mighty angelic warrior with a flaming sword blocked them from ever getting back in. Years later, God would provide animal sacrifices as a temporary stopgap measure. Many animals came under the knife, giving the people of God limited access to his presence. But none of this would do. Israel still sinned, and none of these sacrifices could take away one sin, nor change the heart of a single sinner. Without something greater, we'd all be eternally blocked out of God's presence in paradise. That's why Simeon and Anna looked for a greater comfort, a coming redemption, a salvation, and at the cross, God delivered. As I think it's Timothy Keller pointed out, Christ himself came under the divine sword of justice. It plunged right into his heart. God's own son shed his blood to redeem us. And Mary would see it all. And it would fill her heart with unspeakable grief. She lost her son that day. Jesus had to provide John to take his place. But she gained. She lost Christ as her son, but she gained him as her savior. And that's why Simeon is ready to die in our passage now. He had seen the Christ. He had held him in his arms. Only then could he say, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. I love that line, Mike, that she lost Christ as her son, but she gained him as your savior. And Simeon's words, yeah, now let your servant depart in peace. I don't know if our listeners have ever heard this song before, but I encourage you to look up Michael Card's ballad from this scene of Luke chapter two. I believe it's called Now That I've Held Him In My Arms and give that a listen. Michael Card's a lovely artist, maybe a bit different style music than some of you are used to. But uh, it's enjoyable in the value of having Christ in our arms and knowing him as our savior. This is really the greatest comfort of all, isn't it, Mike? I mean, what makes it more precious is that unlike so many of the things that we turn to for comfort in this life, this comfort that you've just mentioned, Christ as savior, that cannot be taken away from us. That's right. When I was a boy, I had a little blue blanket that I turned to for comfort. It was my security blanket. But there came a day... I don't know if I was five or six, that my parents said, enough is enough, we're taking your blue blanket away. And someone once pointed out um, that in Charles Schultz's Charlie Brown Christmas story, Linus is always carrying around his blanket, but at the climax of the story, he drops it. When does he drop it? It's as he's quoting Luke 2 and telling Charlie Brown the true meaning of Christmas. It's then that he drops his own blanket to the floor. And it was about the time that my parents pulled away my security blanket that I received Christ as my real comfort. 
and he is a comfort nobody can take from me. All our other security blankets won't do. This is why God wants to wean us off of them. He wants us to exchange our inferior comforts and find ultimate security and comfort in his son. And Simeon is acting out a parable in this passage. He takes the child away from Mary, but then he gives him back. He took away Christ as her son, as we've said, but she received him back as her savior. But not just Mary, her loss that she experienced would lead to not only her own salvation, but to that of others also. Verse 32 talks about the Gentiles. Verse 38, the redemption of Jerusalem. Her loss has led to our salvation as well. Yeah, that is a lovely pattern in the way that God works that out of our dark circumstances, he is able to bring glorious blessing. And many of our listeners know of tragedy that we've recently faced here in our area and uh, a greater tragedy for, for friends of mine. And so this Christmas is going to be very different for them. And I've just been praying that we will see blessing come out of this sorrow. And I'm thankful that in Mary's loss, not only did it lead to her salvation, but it led to my salvation too. Because of the death of her son, salvation has come to me. And Mike, there are nations in our world today, aren't there, that will never hear this glorious gospel unless there are parents and grandparents who are willing to have Christmas without their children and grandchildren. So we should resolve today before the Lord with an honest heart that we won't step in the way of the Lord calling our children to go elsewhere for him. Mary had to let her son go for the salvation of the world. Amen. And then when we all get to our true home, our family will have grown. People from other tribes and tongues will embrace us because we were willing to let go of our loved ones for Christ's sake. And one day we'll all be home. Our Father in heaven will know how to make a good homecoming. It will be beyond everything we can dream, the gifts, the food, our sins as white as snow, singing and feasting. And, and who knows what answers to prayer we'll find there. That willful child maybe did turn to Christ in the end. Those unsaved friends we almost gave up on. Well, we'll see maybe that God brought them to faith in the end. And as you pointed out in that very difficult situation recently, Matthew, that you've already alluded to, there will be the absolute marvel that I am there, that, that we are there. And maybe this would be a good time, although we generally assume that the people listening here are all believers in Christ. We could just turn to you, every one of you who is listening, and ask you, have you received this great comfort yet? Has, have you received Christ into your arms as your Savior? Well, that would make it your best Christmas ever if you did receive the Lord Jesus into your arms, into your life today. Thank you, Mike, for bringing out these five comforts from the scriptures to us. God gave Mary a sword, but it was sheathed in comfort. And he gives these comforts to us too, comforts that cannot be stripped away from us. We do wish you all a Merry Christmas, but more than that, we wish you, we pray for you, that you may know the blessing of God in your life. Yes, may the Lord fill us with a joy that suffering cannot take away from us this Christmas. God bless each and every one of you. Thanks very much for listening. <laughs>